0: More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car
1: before my kid's PTA meeting.
2: Really?
0: Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten
2: lucky?
1: I never win and tell.
2: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The
3: 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet?
4: On this episode of Newt's World, as part of our annual December tradition, we host a holiday party for friends and family. This year, we are keeping the tradition going virtually. I asked members of my inner circle to join me for a holiday celebration. I thought it would be a great opportunity for me to gather our Gingrich 360 talent together, Rob Smith, Gianno Caldwell, David Grasso, and CJ Pearson, all of whom are doing great jobs with their podcast. And then I'm joined by two good friends of mine, Laura Ingram, and Sean Hannity. Here's part one of my Inner Circle Holiday Party. First of all, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and also Happy Hanukkah to those of you who are participating in Hanukkah And in the Christmas tradition, I thought I might start with kind of a little bit of a Roman Christmas. Behind me is the Christmas tree at the residence for the ambassador. It helps create kind of a reminder that despite everything, we are in fact dealing with one of the great moments in human history. And we are celebrating the fact that life goes on, that we have begun to have a vaccine, that presently we will have beaten COVID, and that hopefully 2021 will be an even better year. We're going to get into questions in a little bit. I'm sure we'll get into a little bit of talking about politics. But I really want to stay for a few minutes on the Christmas theme and on the New Year theme. And I'm very proud of the work. Uh, Debbie Myers, as our CEO, has really been building a Gingrich 360 podcast network. We have now four people who are hosts, one of whom is just now starting up. I'm very excited by all four. So we're going to hear in the next couple of minutes from Rob Smith, who is doing Rob Smith is problematic. Gianna Caldwell, who now is out loud with Gianna Caldwell. Very exciting talent. CJ Pearson. CJ is the youngest of our podcast. He's 18, but is brilliant. And we're very excited by him. And then our newest podcast host is David Grasso, who is doing a business-oriented podcast as opposed to a more political podcast. His is gonna be called Follow the Profit, very successful entrepreneur, wants to talk about the economy, how we can make money. So I'm gonna go right down the list the same way I just introduced them. And when I starting with Rob Smith, and then I'll go to each one. The first question is, this Christmas, given everything that's happened this year, all the challenges, What's your Christmas spirit, and how are you feeling about Christmas?
2: Well, Newt, I'm feeling great about Christmas, actually. So I'm in Florida now. So this is my first Florida Christmas, and it was 80 degrees yesterday. So I'm feeling phenomenal about Christmas (laughs) because I'm getting warm weather here. But honestly, I really do get the sense that people are in the Christmas spirit this year after everything that's happened. It's just been a tough year for so many people in so many different ways, but it feels like people are in the holiday spirit. It feels like that we are all ready to turn the page on 2020. And I think that at this point, this is really a moment to kind of take stock of, you know, the good things personally that have happened in some people's lives. It's a good time to take stock of what you're grateful for and what we have gratitude for in this moment, because it has been a very tough year for us all, but there's still some good, I think that can be found in every situation, particularly this situation. And with the Christmas season, it's just a time to be with your family as much as you can, and just to enjoy the Christmas spirit. So I see it and I feel it. And even though I'm in 80 degree weather, which I love, by the way, I'm still feeling the Christmas spirit.
4: Say you're making me feel so bad for you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're having a tough Christmas, I can tell. All right, Jana, what's your feeling? How are you approaching Christmas?
5: You know, it's interesting, and Rob just mentioned how he's in 80-degree weather. Another part of the state in Florida, I escaped L.A. earlier this year. But I got to tell you, though, Newt, the American spirit lives on and breathes on, even though it's been, for a lot of people, a horrific year. We still have so much promise in this country. We can do so well. I appreciate where we are at this particular time because it allowed me personally to think about what I've been able to accomplish over the course of so many years and how there's still opportunity to win again. And I'm just very thankful to be a part of the 360 family because incredible talent and, of course, your leadership and guidance, but just to be able to provide conservatives with a viewpoint that they may have never heard before. So I think this is an exciting time, and I have an interesting relationship with Christmas. Why? Because my birthday is two days after Christmas. So, you know, oftentimes I'm buying everybody different gifts, and I may get one, but that's fine.
4: My best friend from high school had that experience. Did you feel sort of cheated? I'm going to be very, very honest with you.
5: I have felt cheated. But interestingly enough, um, seeing this young lady whose birthday is the day after Christmas, so we have something to share.
4: You sort of have three days of celebration in a row. Exactly. (laughs) That's That's really fun. All right. CJ could not join us, so I'm going to jump to David. We're very excited, David, that you're launching Follow the Prophet. How's your mood? How are you approaching Christmas? I'm
6: also living in Florida, (laughs) recently transplanted my home state from New York. I'm currently in New York right now, but I'm heading home tomorrow. I live down the street from Rob, so, you know, I'm living in the Orlando area. And honestly, (laughs) I'm grateful for all of you, for your support, for believing in me. And I'm grateful that my family is healthy, happy, and economically stable amidst these trying times. And, you know... That's all I could really ask for for the holiday season. For me, the holiday season is about family, about spending time with one another, and about looking back on our year. While it may not have been the best, I have to admit it was probably my best year amidst all the chaos.
4: That's great. So let me go back to the same order and give us a couple minutes of your thinking. As you look at a 2021, what are your expectations? Let me start again with, with Rob. What's your thinking about how we should approach and think about 2021.
2: Okay, so this is my thinking right now. And obviously, the 2020 presidential election was, it was just a hot mess that we'll all be talking about for decades and decades to come. And even moving beyond that, when I think about what I personally want to do in 2021, and what I see from the conservative movement overall in 2021, they're kind of two different things. So for me, personally, I've been having a really good time with Rob Smith is Problematic. I'm looking to build that up even more, get more downloads, get more listeners. Please, you guys, if you're out there, you know, download and subscribe because I want to keep talking about these issues that are very political. So there's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about in this, quote unquote, potential upcoming Biden administration. Look, we've got the return of the swamp. We've got a lot of opportunities, I think to throw some red pills. And when I say throw red pills, I mean turn people conservative because there are people kind of like in my age range that have never really seen some of this stuff. So they're going to see how the swamp works in a Biden administration. And I'm gonna talk about that a lot in the podcast. But even outside of that, I think that there's a really big opportunity to kind of get into the culture a little bit more. And that's where I kind of wanna put some of my focus in 2021. But I'm very interested in culture and how we as conservatives bring our values into the culture that has just been so overtaken with this far left socialist radical ideology.
4: You're going to have a very busy 2021.
2: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I hope to.
4: That won't even be problematic, it'll just be a fact. So, Gianna, what's your thinking? How are you looking at 2021? You know, that's
5: interesting. I think that there's a lot that conservatives really need to be looking out for at this point. I think the two Georgia races are the most critical and important at this particular time. I also think we need to really be laying out a strong foundation to win the House back. We're currently, what, seven, eight seats from having the majority. And I think we'll be able to do that. I think for me and my podcast, Out Loud with Gianno Caldo, which I've been thankful because we broke a lot of news, broke a story on Lord Trump. Daniel Cameron with recent podcasts, and I have a new podcast out today on how I would channel call over, which I encourage everyone to listen to. But my focus is really going to be laying out the foundation of the hypocrisy that we've clearly seen from the Democrats time and time again. Who knows what these next four years are going to look like, but they absolutely have to be exposed. And what they've been doing over the last four years have been disingenuous and clearly set to disenfranchise the American people through COVID, using COVID as a political tool and weapon to get Trump out of the White House. We understand what it is. We've seen it. Now they have to be exposed at every step. So the guests that I'm bringing on to my podcast understand the politics of the day and who can help with me lay out the strategy for the GOP, especially the young conservative movement going into 2021 and 2022.
4: That's great. You guys are very excited and you're going to I think, bring a whole new conversation and be just enormously helpful and stir up a lot of good things. David, when we follow the prophet, what's your thinking about 2021, both economically and otherwise?
6: Well, you know, all this political stuff, of course, is an issue. But really, we fail to recognize that the economy is an absolute wreck. You know, I was out last night here in New York City for the Last Supper. They closed indoor dining here once again. And what we really have to confront in 2021 is how do we fix the economy? How do we move on? And more importantly, we have new generations coming up. How do we show them how to economically empower themselves to inspire them to believe in capitalism again? So we can talk about how socialism is bad, but unless we show people how to economically empower themselves and give them the tools to succeed, they're going to fall into the same trap. So really, that's what my show is all about, is really that intergenerational transfer of knowledge of, how do I make money? How do I retire? How do I succeed? And how do I keep myself away from depending on big corporations through entrepreneurship? So I believe I'm an entrepreneurial education engine. That's what my show is all about. And I think it's really important to change the zeitgeist in my generation right now, which is, I can't really do anything, so I need a
4: handout. That's great. I think it's going to be very, very exciting. I just want to say to all of our Inner Circle members, I hope that you'll tell your friends about the kind of talent that you've seen here today. I mean, when you have people the caliber of a Rob Smith or Jana Caldwell, I'm sorry that CJ couldn't make it because he is a remarkable young man, and then David Grasso with his new entrepreneurial approach, I think we're going to have a lot to offer next year. And I think if you tell your friends and get them to listen, they can help launch Some new talent and some new approaches that are gonna be really, really good for America.
7: From BBC
5: Radio 4,
7: Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
5: is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God,
2: we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA.
1: He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed.
2: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever
3: you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
8: It's time for today's Lucky
1: Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. At play.xumo.com, or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.
5: The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write.
3: Hopefully, having conversations
5: like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, deputy opinion editor, and I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen.
4: This is the kind of opportunity we want to build in the inner circle model, where you get to be part of a conversation that's a little more inside, a little more looking at the future and getting to meet genuine talents such as Rob and Giano and David and of course, Laura and Sean. And I'm very grateful to everybody who participates. Laura Ingram, how are you?
8: Hey, hi, Newt.
4: This is our Christmas tree, by the way, at the residence in Rome. So part of our Christmas spirit here. How are your Christmas plans?
8: Well, we're eager to move on to 2021, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's good. We're trying to remember the real meaning of Christmas because it's easy to forget with all the political ups and downs. Too many downs, not enough ups, but some yeah. some good ups too. I mean, we have some bright lights, I think, in the House and the Senate. And we're now going to see whether people are going to really fight for their freedom because it looks like we're going to be locked down till 2022, according to Bill Gates. So I guess we're going to have to see if Americans still have their fight in them to preserve their freedom, because I don't like the way this is going.
4: I thought his comments coming from, what, the third or fourth richest man in the world, were unbelievably lacking in any understanding of human beings. He's sitting there on top of tens and tens and tens of billions of dollars, explaining why the rest of us can go broke, and I just thought it was uh, amazingly callous on his part And it's sort of the way the big rich now look at it. I mean, their great friends are in Beijing. They're not in Kansas City or Milwaukee or any American place. And they're part of sort of a general attitude of crushing the middle class and concentrating power among sort of the ultra rich. I think it's very dangerous. One of the greatest threats to the American system in history. I think people like you are going to play a major role in helping educate the country.
8: There might be hope even in liberal Northern Virginia, okay? I was at an exercise class this morning, okay? And it's like a fun little 55 minutes. And it's men and women, it's Orange Theory thing it's called. Anyway, so I was wondering in the class why the teacher wasn't saying, she wasn't telling us what to do, like the different exercises and so forth. And at the end of the class, she said, oh, you know, we can't call this a class going forward because Ralph Northam's new restrictions. We have to call this open gym. <laughs> so, this is, we haven't had one infection in Orange Theory, as far as I can tell, across the whole country. And this is what they're doing. And this is like one hour that moms and entrepreneurs who are working from home have just one hour, and they're going to screw that up until it's closed. So it's just one little example, but I was like, you got to be kidding. There are no cases in Northern Virginia either, as far as I can tell. It's like 0.01% infection rate.
4: The media has been so hysterical that it's made it hard to begin to organize a common sense response. Although I'm told that in California, for example, the petition drive to recall Governor Newsom is gaining real momentum. They claim they've already got 800,000 signatures. And I think they've got till March to get, they have to get a certified million five, which I think means they better get about 2.2 million. But they're really moving. And it's the same thing you're talking about. People are just totally fed up with politicians micromanaging their lives and telling them what they can and can't do. The same thing's happened with Cuomo. And there's no basis for closing restaurants in terms of, uh. of the spread of COVID. It's I think it's like 1.4% of the COVID infections have occurred in restaurants. So they're using the power of the government, I think, to crush the middle class, to crush small business. I don't know to what extent it's deliberate and to what extent it's just sheer total stupidity, but you really see it in states with Democratic governors. It's amazing. Do you have any exciting things with the kids over Christmas?
8: They might travel to a free state, Newt. My kids are masked up, you know, many, many hours a day in school and complain of not being able to breathe and so forth. So just being able to breathe and being outside, I think just basic things like going for a walk and not having people like jump across the street if if you don't have a mask. I, I don't know. I just sense there's kind of a turn. Maybe it's because people think Trump has lost now and that's over. And so now you even see liberals becoming, okay. this is ridiculous. Like I'm just sensing that people are on the knife's edge right now. People just want their freedom. They uh, Wash your hands, make sure you don't go to school sick or go to work sick. But I think other than that, people are just fed up. So we're just gonna try to go to mass. We had to reserve our space in mass, however, and we missed the Christmas Eve because yep. we can act fast enough because you now have well, to preserve your religious liberty apparently online.
4: The Archbishop had filed a lawsuit against the city of Washington over restrictions On going to Mass.
8: Oh, I missed
4: that. Good. The Bishop Barron issued a very strong statement about the governor of Virginia and his comments about it not being important to go to church because you could always commune with God. And Barron just made the point that reflected such total absolute ignorance of why Catholics go to church, that it was kind of astonishing. I think you're going to see more and more alienation in that sense, as people just realize that once you have a bunch of petty politicians who are abusing their power, and who are amazingly ignorant of what they're doing. I'm sort of optimistic that the underlying spirit of the American people is bouncing back.
8: What well, I was really impressed by over the last many months is John MacArthur at Grace Community in California. He's 85 years old. I know you know him, Newt. He's just the most impressive preacher and leader of his flock. California said, we're shutting you down. He said, go try It's 7,000 people every Sunday, and he's never shut down. I think they've had either no or like a few cases they were able to contain. But I watch him online every Sunday. I watched him yesterday, and he's just no nonsense. This is essential. If I have to preach in prison, I'm going to preach in prison. But there's nothing more essential than what we're doing here right now together, and we must be together. And as fun as the screens are... That's not what we do as Christians. We come together as a community. He's been on my show a few times and friends of mine in Minnesota, they say he's like the gold standard for if you just want like real preaching. And he throws a little political commentary in there too, which is kind of enjoyable. John MacArthur, Grace Community, California. 4,000 people every Sunday and there's several services I think.
1: Mo Play.
8: you guys ready to take some questions? People are excited to have it. But
0: Before we go to Woody, who's going to put some of the questions up live, one of our people who want to remain anonymous asked this, Laura, what's your opinion on the vaccine? Get it, not get it?
8: I think with a disease that has such a very low lethality rate, when you really add in all of what the CDC now says are probably the total infection numbers, which could be seven times what we originally thought It's a lot to ask, especially young kids who are never gonna get seriously ill. Really anyone under the age of 40 who's in decent health is gonna be able to tolerate this fairly well. It's gonna be tough to force people to get a vaccine. I'd prefer something to have a little longer test period for long-term adverse consequences, which is what the usual vaccine testing is. They don't have any idea how it affects people who already had COVID or who already were exposed to COVID. That's an open question. I think even the CDC has had to concede along with Pfizer. It looks like it's pretty effective, 95%, but I think for people who've already been exposed, that's a big question mark. That makes me uncomfortable. Uh, And it really makes me uncomfortable if they say you can't travel, you can't go to religious services, you can't move, you can't move internationally unless you have a digital certificate. Because I think that opens the door to all sorts of other digital surveillance of our medical history. I have kind of civil libertarian problems with it. I'm not an anti-vaccine person. I think vaccines are fine, but I'm not running to have my kids take this, that's for sure.
2: Next question is from uh, Mary Glass. She says, is Biden gonna get credit for the vaccine? Do you believe pharma companies kept the announcement of the vaccine until after the election to give Biden-Harris an advantage?
8: I don't think Biden's gonna get credit for the vaccine. Tens and tens of billions of dollars went into you know, rushing the research on the, these vaccines. We have really smart people working for these companies that were working 24 seven to try to find the answers. And I think without a uh, Donald Trump continuing to push, 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 I'm not sure they would have got, certainly wouldn't have gotten it with if they didn't, they weren't granted immunity from, from any civil liability coming from harm brought on by the vaccines. A lot of people don't know the pharma companies have no civil exposure in court if there are any problems, as far as I can tell. I think they have almost absolute immunity, unless it's purposeful research issues. I think Donald Trump, with the fullness of time, is going to get a lot of credit for a lot of things that the left has not wanted to give him credit for. And I think about a year from now, people are going to be really missing Donald Trump.
2: Let's take a question from Gordon.
8: What are the chances of the Democrats throwing
2: Biden out because of the Hunter scandal and moving forward with President Harris?
8: Well, I know that's an interesting theory and some folks on my show have bandied that about. I can't pretend to have any unique knowledge on that question. But what I would say is Biden is kind of useful right where he is right now. I mean, they were able to, you know, looks like elect him president without campaigning much. So I could see them just trotting him out for ceremonial short events. They have most of these Obama staffers in there anyway, so I don't see how Biden's really going to do them much damage. The press isn't going to you know, go full bore on Hunter Biden. If Obama really loved Kamala Harris, I thought she was brilliant and was the future leader in the country. I think you would have seen signals that Obama was leaning toward Kamala during the primaries, little signals. Well, we didn't see any of that. I don't think they think she's the bee's knees in the Democrat party. I don't sense that. So I think Biden is much easier for them to have in power with all of these bumpers around him in the form of old Obama staffers. So I'm not necessarily buying into that Kamala Harris theory.
2: This is from Sue. What do you predict the first 90 days under Biden will look like?
8: I think they're gonna try to do as much as possible in the first 90 days. And I think there is going to be an enormous amount of pressure from the AOC crowd to try to get some, you know, pretty out there, social justice initiatives pushed through. I don't know what form they're gonna take. I mean, I think it'll be, you're gonna start hearing more about racism as a national health crisis. You're starting to see states discuss that seriously, which would trigger all sorts of state abilities to take actions or give different benefits to different groups of people. So I think on the racial front, there's just an enormous amount of pressure the Democrats are gonna feel from the left. I also think they're going to try to do as much as they can on the tax front, depending on whether they have the Senate. I mean, they're limited by whether they have these Senate seats or not. They don't have these Senate seats There's going to be a lot of executive actions on the part of, you know, Joe Biden and or whoever's writing his executive actions are not going to be him, obviously. So I think they're going to move by executive action if they don't have the Senate. If they have the Senate, it's going to be tax increases. They're going to have to increase taxes and everybody's going to get affected one way or another, probably another gasoline tax and then move on the civil rights front as fast as they can in the Justice Department. I don't think they're going to waste the first 100 days. That's my view. They're gonna move quickly. And Laura, thank you so much. And Sean Hannity has joined us. We, we need some Christmas decorations. I sent you a butterball
6: turkey fryer. Now do not have to send you like Christmas lights too?
8: <laughs> it's the Fauci who stole Christmas here. Ouch,
6: Ouch. that's really good. I wish i thought of that.
8: Yeah. No, no, I, my, my Christmas tree's in the other room.
6: Laura, it's great to work with Laura just for the, wow.
8: you know, oh, yeah, she's, fun. Uh,
6: our show's doing incredible. She's a great friend. We've been friends for many years. Bye,
8: New.
4: Merry Christmas. Uh, If you enjoy the sense of friendship and the swapping of ideas that went on at our holiday party, you can become a member of My Inner Circle Club by going to newtsinnercircle.com. Thank you to the members of My Inner Circle Club and our holiday party guests, Rob Smith, Gianna Caldwell, David Grasso, Laura Ingram, and Sean Hannity. You can see some of the photos I shared on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers. Our producer is Garnsey Sloan, and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich360. Please email me with your questions at gingrich360.com questions. I'll answer a selection of questions in future episodes. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World.
3: work.